Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Most of that's true. 0499736736 will work if you want to communicate with us, but it'll be JD and I, the Wombat, um, filling in... On judging duties, we know he's a uh, he's a man of many talents, and he's uh, he's right now needed. He's like a superhero that's needed in a different location, and the lo- location he's required is on track in a judging capacity, rather than in here. But that's okay. We'll have our normal Thursday elements. Michael Guerin from New Zealand to join us at the top of the second hour. Jamie Cockshot's got a special guest and plenty of tips for Tasmania in the Tas Racing half hour, or a little bit over that we do every single Thursday. And we're going to be talking a bit about um, Sydney. They've got some big races on uh, on Saturday night. So we'll be looking forward to chatting with Emma Stewart, the Queen, the Regent, the ruling matriarch of uh, Australian harness racing, and also Wayne Potter. So looking forward to that, JD. And I've also got – I can give you some early indications. I have now finished the Saturday night form, so I can give you some indications of my thoughts – for Tabcourt Park Melton, now that we no longer have, at least for the time being, still on hiatus, the ramble slash happy hour, where I would have discussed my thoughts a little later on today, but I can do it in the next 10 minutes if required. How are you, mate? Good, mate. That's uh, good. We should tell the listeners we're on location from the SEN sauna today. Uh, it's, it's it's 35 steamy, degrees it? at least in this studio today. I'm wondering it's about what... eight degrees outside. I think, what does it say up there? It says about... Nine degrees so far out here in Melbourne. Showers, raining. It's thirty-seven degrees at least in the studio. This this might be one uh, for the for the listeners. Oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. Now, at home or when you go into a what I find staggering sometimes is when you go into a hotel for the first time, and certain people. Um, I had a, my my great colleague uh, from from the past, mm. Blake Redden. Make it sound like he's dead. Well, you know. He and Skeeter, they're not they're no longer with us, so they're in a netherworld, aren't they? So um Blakey used to turn the cooling on to such a degree that when you walked into his room, mm. it felt like you had crossed the Arctic border and you were in <laughs> you were in Antarctica. You're at, you're yeah. in you're in sort of Mawson's hut there. Uh and other people this is the reason Loffy just told us about it. The reason that so this shouldn't have to happen. This shouldn't no. have to happen. But right, the the, the um, t- temperature gauge here, thermostat, the thermostat yeah. is locked and and hidden beneath it, a plastic casing because people can't agree yeah. on what the right temperature is. It's unbelievable that it's come to this. It's like hiding away the the cookie jar at home. But this is like you, you know, know you can't be trusted to only have one cookie or keep it on a normal temperature. So we're going to lock it away. The question is. Does anybody, like, do any of the real big guns, like, have a key? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Loffy, Loffy's, he's very, and rightfully so, stingy with keys, which I mm. love about him. Oh, Loffy's, he's, Loffy's the lord of the keys. Loffy's the lord of the keys. He's the lord of the keys. Yeah. All right. Him and Josh, so those two, they'll have the keys. So you'd have to fight them, and Loffy, from what I hear, he can throw hands. Loffy can throw hands? Well, he looks like the top he, he looks. He, looks like the top he does look like the top he can. Um, yeah, so it is hot in here. Yeah, not it, Nelly. It was hot in here. But yesterday. don't take off all your clothes. No, well, no. I mean, I did say that to Tim out there yesterday. I said, "I'm just warning you. If Tags takes off his clothes, 
we, he's not being held responsible for the HR complaint that comes his I've way. Noticed, I've noticed this studio in particular gets really Steve, hot. Steve. Because well, when we do the TVs and it's like... When we're doing the lids fly sometimes and we're getting really wound up and having a big night, mm. you, you feel like you're going to explode sometimes. And yet yeah. other other studios have been uh, extremely, extremely frigidly cold at different Ooh, yeah. times. Oh, yeah. Um, so... I don't know what it, well, I don't know what everyone likes. Personally, if I'm at home, I set it to about 17 degrees and then we, or 16 degrees and then just well, move on with your life. I am a big uh, fan of even if it's too cold, You're a fan you, can of fans. Al- you can always rug up. So put it cold. If it's chilly, put a jumper on. You know, if you. Oh, no, I'm, t- I'm telling you, the, the temperature it was in my apartment yesterday. There were there weren't no snuggies in the world. There weren't no onesies. There weren't no rugs that were warming you up. It cold? was freezing cold. Okay. Well, that's yeah. Well, I mean, what would you prefer? This heat that you're in right now, or or what you had yesterday? Um, this really? Yeah. This I would prefer like, this oppressive. This is like um, crazy tropical these conditions rather than freezing. Like when you're shaking in your own house. This yeah. is the sort of heat you get in Dubai. At- Two in the mo- two in the morning when it's still thirty nine degrees. How about when you go on holiday and you 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 step off the uh, you step off the plane and you're in one of those really tropical locations yeah. and it hits you like it just smacks yeah. you in the face. The humidity. You've been, you've been on the plane with the with the air conditioner and you're thinking, yeah. okay, it's got to be cold. It can't be. It's five in the morning. It can't. Or three in the morning. Can't be that hot. Like when Zoe went to Vietnam and she gets off the. Yeah. And you just feel it. It takes you about two like days to acclimatize. It's like a plume of heat. Just it is going, a plume. Pew. Um, very quickly before we go That's to our how we feel in this studio. first break, I'm going to give you my early thoughts on the Tab Court Park Melton meeting. Um, right, here we go. Race one. I think I said in the in the little preview on Tuesday I didn't want to get involved, and I still don't really. It's <clears throat> nah. Um, I'll be tipping. I have tipped Paul the other leg for Andy Gath, but um, look, Gilligan's Island hugely spruik before its last start failure. Can it bounce back? Can it lead? Probably. Box of chocolates flying, poorly drawn. Nah. Race two. Might be a good exotic race this year. You'd imagine Doug's babe should be winning, but the wolf for Lisa Bartley, new acquisition, has been trialling extremely well at Shepparton. Went 56 over the middle trip and out-sprinted Beach Memories in a recent preliminary there. So I'm thinking it leads hands up to Doug's babe. Probably Doug's babe wins. The wolf runs second. Then uh, please yourself for who runs third. Group three, Elabar Vic Bread Championship final. It's hard to say this, that uh, catch a wave. Um, you get beaten as a twenty-two favourite in the heat of this series last week. And then you're going to have to uh, take even shorter this week, twenty probably. But catch a wave is a stone cold, stinking, disgusting, bottomless moral. Certainty, lock, can't lose. Give it a try. We'll be running second as well. That was the last start conqueror. It leads, hands up to catch a wave. And then uh, Peg Domination looks uh, was written all over this race. So Sassiola and Hugo rocks a good chance of running third. But if you're playing first, fours include Aussie Playboy and Arg. Temp is easy to work out for everyone. Zero is freezing and 40 is hot. 20 is in the middle, so that's the temp all year in the office. Easy from Swanee. I don't mind that. Zero is freezing, 40 is hot. Yeah. 20 is too warm. That 20 is too warm for this studio, I reckon. I remember when my... my uh, my mum first got um, Loffy's put it to eighteen. Heating. Yeah. eighteen. Eighteen is even like that's chilly. I actually no, I, I stick it around the sixteen mark. I remember mm. uh, when my mum first got uh, uh, you know internal heating in the house. She turned it up to like 
27, thinking, you know, it's lovely when it's 27 outside. Yeah. And then she's like, why can't I breathe? And I'm like, yeah. it's too hot, mum. Yeah. So it's too hot in there. You're so going to have to turn it down. To put it in context, I rolled into work today with a beanie, a puffer, a jumper and a T-shirt on. Yeah. It was cold. Along with the thermals that you wear every day, your yeah, long johns, yeah, absolutely, your long john Donahoe's, and the hair that I've got on the chest, which warms me up even more. Yeah, right, Alec Baldwin, calm down. Race four, it'll be a match race between Olavici and, and nephew of Sunoco. Pick your poison. I'm picking the older, more experienced horse, just slightly nephew of Sunoco over Olavici. Um, and I'll get to one more race, and then we'll take a break. Come back with Emma Stewart. But in the next uh, first leg of the quaddy. Well, it all comes down to what happens with Jilly B. Nitro, I think. Drawn Waters in the front line has the gate speed across them. The other cr- critical runner there is Major Meister, uh, whether they're going to run run the gate with Major Meister because they're the two quickest beginners, but both of them might go back. So it's a most intriguing race. I'd be playing extremely wide in the first leg of Equities at Tabcourt Park Mountain on Saturday night. But for now, break time, come back, talk to Emma Stewart about three runners in that big group one final at Tabcourt Park Menangle on Saturday night. And they are major celebrity first responder and Christian Patraka. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. It was getting cold outside. It was not cold. Well, it's cold outside. He's trying to think of. Um, they tell you to do that, don't they? Climate-related, uh, <coughs> particularly when you're particularly when you're freezing, you know, to envisage uh, a, a tropical oasis. Well, I wouldn't play. Put it this way: I palm trees swing. If it, if it was cold, yep. I'm not going to play Snow Patrol, am I? <laughs> it was chasing cars. It's a, it's a hot activity. <laughs> I don't, I, I, yes, I, although are they the actually snow... chasing cars? No, he's chasing cars inside his mind. Chasing zambonis. He's actually just sitting down because he goes, "If I stay here, if I just stay here." Would you lie with me? So he's, he's, he's somebody who just doesn't want to doesn't want to be involved. You talk amongst yourself, yes, because um, I've got Emma Stewart back in the line. Oh, look at you go! Look at you go, Hugo. Uh, we will have Emma Stewart. We were slightly frightened there for a, a brief moment that we wouldn't have, but um, she always comes through in the end. And she's on the line right now, the Queen, the Matriarch. How are, well, probably you want to be called the Princess. Actually, I've gone too far there. I've probably offended you. How are you, Emma? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. <laughs> um, now, going into the heats for this big race on Saturday night for the uh, juveniles at Menangle, you probably thought, oh, we've got three very nice horses, but one's a hell of a lot better than the other two. Or did you think that? And what do you think right now? No, I reckon they're even, to be honest with you. And the draw sort of doesn't make it any easier um, to pick which one sort of I'd, I think is going to win. So, no, I think they're pretty even, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, any of them won, really. Well, Phil, the listeners in, it's a bit of a private conversation here. The three runners that are going around for uh, for Emma Stewart in the uh, in the big two-year-old race are first responder major celebrity in Petrarca. So there was a, such a huge boom around Petrarca, and we know – we know down the track probably, well, I'll tell you what, first responder in particular, major celebrity looks like a, a little bit of a professional, but first responder in that maniacal final quarter sitting outside Petrarca and never giving an inch, it almost looked to me, I don't know whether it's going to be right here right now, but is there a little sense at home that maybe first responder in six or 12 months' time might be the best of the lot? Yeah, I think so. I think both him and major celebrity are sort of horses that are going to be definite derby horses and sort of get better as they... As they sort of mature, they're quite they're quite tall and, and lanky sort of horses. So 
Um, they're sort of going to be coming good later on, whereas the truck is a dead set two-year-old at the minute and uh, is fast and is beautifully gated. So, um, yeah, I think uh, versus one is going to be one that improves. So you're in two minds a little bit, but with the early speed, does Petrarca still get across him even though he's drawn outside the other two? Or are you thinking maybe uh, which of the other two major celebrity maybe has shown good enough gate speed if it really wanted to hold, maybe it could hold Petrarca at the start? Yeah, I think he could if he wanted to. Sort of, we haven't sort of gone through that yet. I think Petrarca could cross if he wanted as well, but at what cost? So, just really not sure. It's sort of yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one this week. Now, I want to turn our attentions quickly to Tabcourt Park Mountain because you've got some runners there, and one race in particular, the Victoria Size Classic, sponsored by the VHRC. You've got three runners there. I am convinced in my own very small mind, which is the best winning chance of the trio. But uh, I'm not going to say it out loud. Beach Villa Kavaji, star celebrity, thoughts? Uh, oh. I think star celebrity is the, the best of them, but being a filly and drawn out the back so is a little bit harder, I think. And she's got a few screws loose. Um, but I think ability-wise, she's probably the pick of them. Uh, Clayton's a big fan of Kavaji, always has been. I think he's just uh, a lovely horse. And sort of Beach Villa can be disappointing, but I think he's, sort of clicking together a few good runs. So I'll go with Kafaji. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did eventually. What worried me for a start there, it was all star celebrity for a start. And then we've, we've, we circled back to Kafaji. I, I was just thinking, <laughs> I, without giving away too many tactics, um, Beach Villa, you know, Kafaji is a big, strong customer. I don't know. I don't know whether his mind's always 100% on the job. When it is on the job, He's a really good horse. When it's not not on the job, sometimes he uh, he can look a little bit disappointing. But I'm thinking that if Beach Villa was first to the pegs, then there's a very good chance that Kafaji might take over at some point. Yeah, I think so. And I think that sort of suits Beach Villa as well. I think he's better off trail. And, um, you know, Kafaji can put in a, a clanger every now and then, but he's still quite green and sort of learning the business. He's a big, he's a big sort of strong fella, so he's just sort of trying to find his feet. It's funny, isn't it? You would think with the change of seasons and everything, because um, these horses are now, you know, relatively late, well, they are extremely late uh, three-year-olds, that uh, you'd be thinking to yourself, well, they would have developed. But you look at horses even like uh, Catch a Wave and Kaffa, the, the big ones that need to furnish out, they still take time regardless, don't they? And they need they need race experience. Yeah, that's the main thing. They just need to keep racing sort of and getting their, their sort of um, experience together because they are big fellas and they sort of, They've got a, they, their legs are quite big to move, so they sort of got to balance up and sort of just more. The more hard racing they do, I think, the better they will be, and sort of they need to race sort of the better horses to get better as well. Now you're never backward in coming forward uh, with these sort of with these sort of opinions and philosophies and uh, ideologies. Runaway celebrity, I thought, was going to be wasn't wasn't terribly far behind. You know, the really, really top ones, the uh, the ladies in red, Joannas and Tough Jillies, wasn't quite there, but wasn't that far behind them. The two runs back this time in have been slightly strange. It was a big run first up in that uh, that Mare Sprint Classic, but she still got defeated by a horse that you'd think that she's significantly better than. And then last start, the time actually wasn't too bad, but as a dollar twenty favourite, um, she only just got there by lip. Where is she at right now? Yeah, that was sort of not her fault, more ours. Sort of, we were sort of ticking along, waiting for that race to come up, and it sort of come up on us. And she sort of, we probably should have been racing her um, a lot before that race. So I wouldn't take too much away from her. I think she's just, she's sort of racing back into fitness now, and she's sort of back where we needed to be. 
Yeah, well, that, that makes her an absolute moral of what I thought on Saturday night because at her best, she's um, she's very, 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 very good. Now, tell us, is there anything that we that we haven't seen or that is ticking along that's a new recruit at your camp that you're getting excited about outside of what we're seeing right in front of us at the moment? <laughs> yeah, there is one. There's a three-year-old uh, we really like um, called Captain Ravishing. So uh, they just sent him to us um, to race through the better races at the end of the season. So um, we've got a big opinion of him. He, he's working super at home. He's a, he's a great cut of a horse and we all know he can go. Um, so, yeah, he's one that's sort of just about ready to rock and roll. You gave me a giggle then, like I had no inside information about that, Emma. I, I wasn't targeting. I wasn't targeting that specific horse. Honestly, I didn't even know you had Captain Ravishing. So that was a completely innocent, naive question. But I, he's he's shown a lot. You would be very excited. He's he's a pure athlete. Yeah, they're one of the phone calls you like to take. So um, when they said, "Would you like to take him?" We we're like, "Yeah, for sure." So. Uh, He's just a beautiful cut of a horse and he's doing everything right at home, so we're really looking forward to him. How many of those phone calls with the enormous number of horses that you and Clayton trained here, there must be a fair few phone calls that don't end well for the people who are calling. Yeah, there's a lot that don't end well and um, <laughs> sort of... <laughs> we sort of a bit, a bit picky at the moment, but sort of we've got that many horses so we can't just take everything. So um, when you get offered a horse of his ability, though, you can't say no. Uh, now, I know last time I spoke to you, you were up in Queensland and sort of suggesting you were more than happy to stay there and not come home. Have you have you acclimatised back into Victoria? You want to come in the studio right now here. It's about 37 degrees. But uh, have you acclimatised away from the uh, the wonderful holiday you had up in the Sunshine State? Not really, because we've no. been to Sydney last week and just back there now. So, um, no, I could still see myself living in Queensland. It was quite it was quite nice, actually. And what 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 about this um, this milestone that you might be? Uh, well, you look very likely to reach one hundred Group One wins. This uh, I don't know how, how much do you put into this sort of stuff. I I would imagine you sort of have to get excited about these things because it is such a grueling day in day out, week in week out game that when you get a milestone like this, you do have to get excited. And I'll tell you what, if nothing else, it's a reason to celebrate. Yeah, for sure. So we don't sort of take too much notice of it sort of going through the seasons and that. And we sort of always have a, have a look and just see where we're up to. And I still remember my first one. So um, hundreds sort of crept up a lot quicker than uh, we thought. So uh, fingers crossed it happens this weekend. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, um, yeah, it'd be pretty exciting. I'm just looking at the list now. There's 99, there's 93 for Pacers and six for Trotters. There would have been none for Trotters about two years ago. <laughs> You've <laughs> sure. snuck that. You've snuck that in just to uh, just to add a little bit of sugar to the list. Very much appreciate you talking to us, Emma. Good luck with all three runners on Saturday night. Hopefully, Kafaji wins for my sake, and we'll talk again soon. No worries. Thanks a lot. There's Emma Stewart. Um, I definitely didn't know about Captain Ravishing, but he is. Um, that's a massive addition to their stable, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Clayton and Emma can do with Captain Ravishing because. Uh, comes with a massive reputation or a big boom. And I'll tell you what, who else should come with a big boom? Captain Treacherous. So Catch a Wave is the most, at least the most exciting three-year-old in Victoria, I think Australia, by Captain Treacherous. My new favourite horse in the country is called Captain Belisario, unsurprisingly, by Captain Treacherous. Captain Ravishing, by Captain Treacherous. So he sort of... It was a weird situation. Uh, he sort of came on the scene and had the enormous boom. Everyone wanted a captain. 
Then there was a, li- a very small lull where people were like, geez, are these as good as we thought they were going to be? And as it's turned out, yes, they absolutely are. And that's a nice little segue. I'll announce it on air right now. Not next week, but the week after, the third renewal of Breeders' Week here on uh, on SEN Track. A lovely little partnership between Harness Breeders Victoria, Harness Racing Victoria and SEN Track where we'll spend the entire week, uh, we'll skip retrospective even, we'll do a little truncated form panel, but we'll spend the entire week um, talking about breeding, get, getting people excited about breeding, updating them on news over the last 12 months, how things are going. We'll be going across shores. We'll be talking to people in New Zealand. We'll be having uh, an American influence uh, with one of the uh, the leading Australian expatriates or Australasian expatriates going to talk to us. And we're even going to talk a little bit about European breeding because we know now in the square gating world, in the trotting world, in, in the pacing world, the, the North American breeding influence has been massive for uh, many, many, many years. But in the um, in the square gating world, it's all about those outstanding trotters in uh, in Sweden and France and Italy and and around Europe. So we're going to talk about that and plenty of other things. Most importantly, we're going to talk stacks about how to get involved with breeding, even if it's on, on a very small level, because it's a great game. It's the most fun way. Uh, you can get involved. Well, you can get a winner, basically. You can go out and buy one at the sales, but there's nothing quite like the feeling of breeding your own horse, raising it, breaking it in, and then getting it to the races and actually winning. It's not an easy game. Nobody's going to try to tell you during the course of the week it's an easy game, but it's an amazingly fulfilling game. And if you love harness racing, there's no greater way you can contribute to the sport because without horses on the ground... We don't have a sport. Horses make racing or greyhounds make racing. You know, we've got pundits in here. We've got punters. We've got um, owners. We've got all the rest of it. But horses and greyhounds make racing. Let's go to the news now, find out what's happening in the world. Come back. We're going to chat a little bit further. Around 11.40, we'll have Wayne Potter on the line to talk about the son of La Cucaracha, the locomotive. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Hey, yep. something, something I reckon you... Uh, we've got a couple of minutes here, don't we? Yep. Just to have a little chat. Yes, we do. I'll tell you something I've noticed yeah, yeah. Late, uh, like this week. Shaquille O'Neal's in town. Is <laughs> that Greenvale Shopping Centre, I seems saw. Seems like yeah. the biggest down-to-earth, cool dude. Doesn't care. What do you, mean? you know, he's just... He do chills you, do, out. Do you lives his own way. Right. He's quite funny. He said that he, he's given his boys... He said, I'm rich. You're not rich. You go out and work. He goes, I'm rich. I saw a video the other day. Someone asked him, oh, do you, you know, do your kids, do you give your kids much money? He goes, no. He goes, I'm oh, the I'm one a, who's I'm rich. A, I'm rich. They're not rich. And he goes, I'll look after my daughter, but the boys, they can look after themselves. Imagine that. He's a, he just seems, like, back, he just seems like a good bloke, Shaq. Oh, I don't. No, he's, he's uh, he, and he is legitimately mm. funny. Yeah, and I saw I saw another video. He, <laughs> he and the stopped. Round Man of Rebound have a great, have a yeah. have a great chemistry. I saw another Charles video. Charles Barkley. I saw another <laughs> Round Man. 
Real Men Rebound. Um, I saw another video, uh, I think it was on uh, Instagram earlier. Instagram, And right. he literally, obviously, you know, the big van or whatever, he was driving through Burke Street or Chinatown where in, in Melbourne here. Yeah. Saw a kid, saw a guy, a kid rapping or, oh. you know, beatboxing, whatever. Yeah. Got out of the car. Now, why Shaquille O'Neal needs security, I'll never know. The security guys are smaller than he is. But just rolls up like a normal member of society, puts his arm around him, starts dancing, starts singing with him. I reckon he's a cool dude. Oh, you can. I reckon you, he's a cool dude. You could you could tell from the word go. Yeah, he's just you know he likes he likes having fun. He's you know, um, got enough money for enough for another lifetime. I tell you what, what makes him angry a little bit these days though. What? And then I'll get to another the latest untold sporting oh, documentary. I saw it. No, I saw it come out. I saw it drop. I haven't. I think seen I, don't, it. I think it was untold and one. Yes. I haven't seen oh. it, but I saw it drop on Netflix last night. It's not a basketball one. It's about street ball. Yeah. They, remember they had the shoe brand and one? See, I don't remember it. Yeah. No, I remember it. It was <laughs> like the they had the white shoes and they had sort of like the red or blue soles or the yeah, black right. soles. They had like a he, like a red heel or a black heel. They were the shoes as well, the and one shoes. And they were big in the NBA. The problem the problem with the saying, you know, this is the only spoiler that I'll give, but they called the brand and one. It was the whole sporting brand. Because in America, streetball, pickup ball, which is, I love so much more than proper basketball, streetball, like pickup ball on a, you know, yeah, a, in a school ground or down at your local arena, you get a few mates together. If you if you shoot a basket, you say, I'm one. Yeah. We, we, that was never a thing in Australia. Yeah. So I think <laughs> around the world, you would, would look at it and go, oh, I like the shoes and I love the mixtapes and all the rest of it and I love the streetball, but I don't really know what and one hey, means. But that, that was another you, good documentary. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, they got themselves into a bit of trouble, from what I gather. Out of the documentary? No, no, no I haven't seen the documentary. Yeah, but just yeah. my just my knowledge of the my knowledge <laughs> of the the scenario and the situation. The, there was a little bit of well, I think a I think strife. We, again, don't, we don't give too much away. I'm only going to give this much away. Yeah. Okay. When, when you they 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 took a lot of athletes, basketballers off the street, so to speak, and then what happens then if you don't treat those people? The way they should be treated, mm-hmm. um, or you don't know how, and business and, and a business grows too quickly. <laughs> yes, hope you have an all, awesome uh, day, Jason and JD. Hopefully, getting a step closer, Mister Bonington, to get him involved in a harness horse. Fingers yeah, crossed, fella. he's big fella. Yep. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to watching that. And Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq's a good dude. I tell you what upsets him. What upsets him? There is a, a sort of the way basketball's played now. I've heard him mention, mentioned a couple of times where people say. Shaquille O'Neal could no longer be an NBA star. Oh yeah, that annoys him. You know who he compares himself to? He says, "I I, I do play right now. I I do play." Is that you, Shaq? Welcome to SEN Track, Shaq. Good beer. <laughs> that's, good beer. That's like this. Good beer. Good beer. Charles Barkley. He reckons he's the Greek freak. The Greek freak is him. Really? In in a different form. In a different form. Yeah. Remember when he remember when he smashed the backboard? Yes. Because he dunked on it. And he just pulled it down. He was the that num- was amazing. He was the number one draft pick all the way back in the day. Speaking of documentaries, and now that it's coming to my mind, the the one of him and Penny Hardaway. Yeah, you seen that? Yeah, great doco. It's um, what's it called? Something about the magic, the Orlando Magic in that time. I can't remember what it's called. They had also. Uh... That's a fantastic doco about like the start of his career. Yeah, and how he they they wished he would stay in Orlando. They would have won titles in Orlando. Him and Penny Hardaway. Yeah. But, he wanted to be the man. Anthony Hardaway. Anthony. It was Timmy Hardaway as well. He played for Tim Hardaway Jr. New York. Did he? Golden Tim, State Warrior. Tim Hardaway. 
they all play. They all play for about nine different teams. True, anyway, that's so, true. Yeah. Um, all right, except for um, I was going to say MJ, but he went to the Wizards for a bit, didn't he? Right, yeah. let's go for a break. Come back with Wayne Potter. More talk about trots when we come back on Trots Life Thursday Edition, right here on SEN Track. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Trots Life. No Toby today. He's uh, he's doing some hard work judging. But JD and I are here to look after you. Spoke to Emma Stewart a moment ago, and now we've got another man who's got a, um, a Group 1 runner at Tabcorp Park, Manangle, on Saturday night. Wayne Potter, how are you, Wayne? Good, thanks. I think I'm pretty good. I backed the, the locomotive, I think, first up from a break, and you gave me a little bit of a scare, I reckon, from memory. There was one that went uh, exceptionally well in that race. We haven't seen him for a little while. We know how beautifully pretty he is. He does look the one to beat. Are you confident going into this race? Yeah, well- yeah, I'm pretty confident. I was, yeah, I was a little bit the same. I was a little bit disappointed with him last week, but he hadn't had uh, he hadn't had a run and he had a really slow trial. So yeah, he'll certainly be uh, better for the run. Now, uh, bred to be pretty good, Adelaide Cookerage. So you would have been expecting things from the word go, I reckon, Potts. Oh, well, yeah. There's, as you know, there's no guarantees, but uh, yeah, he's very well bred and he's a he's a beautiful type of horse and. From day dot, he's been able to get up and roll, and he's just got a terrific attitude, and uh, he's got a beautiful gait, and everything about him is really good. So, are we thinking uh, whatever he whatever he does now, or you know, pinching group ones is always lots of fun, but that he's going to be a better horse down the track? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, all signs with him is you know he's going to be better later on, but. Um, he'll just step out in, you know, all those major ones right through and he won't be overtaxed as a two-year-old. And, you know, with the longer season, I'm sure he's going to be better, you know, come Christmas time. Now, we've spoken about the good news. Let's go back to Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton. Uh, wasn't so long ago, uh, he took over the training of Kiss Me Elvis and things were going great guns. And he just seems to have flatlined a little bit. Is he... Is he just uh, a little bit low on confidence or is he uh, is he feeling a couple of niggles? Because I reckon it wouldn't have been that long ago that I would have thought Kiss Me Elvis off the front line in that field, the Vic Bread Championship final, could just about speed across them and, and run second to catch a wave. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he's got the only trainer I've ever heard say that in my entire life. This is unbelievable. This is a rare, this is a beautiful moment. Mark this date down in history. <laughs> that's 100%. I, 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 may have, I, I think that's the way it is. I may have fanned the, flu, the, the flames of that situation. I, I can't remember ever saying that he was ever going to be as good as boy from Bondi, but um, I may have, uh, you, you might be able to blame me a little bit there, Wayne. I may be a fan of flames of that. I didn't think he was as good as boy from Bondi, but certainly I think when you got him and he was, uh, and he, he won a couple of races, and he, he did it both ways. He seems like he only goes any good 
either when he fires out at the front or he does absolutely nothing at all. Is that what you found from him? And uh, you would only have a relatively uh, a relatively small team, but a small team of pretty good horses these days. Is there uh, is there anyone that we don't know about, or one that you're bringing along at the moment? No, no, just uh, my hopes of the locomotive. I'll tell you what, it's a fair, it's a fair horse to have some hopes in. And I did want to did want to ask you. Um, there was some time ago, maybe a couple of years ago, I reckon you brought. You might have brought your daughter in to come in and have a look at the Trots Vision setup, and I'm just wondering—having met Tams a few times now out at Andy's—I'm wondering if it's the same girl. Because I tell you what, that's a pretty quick progression from coming in and having a look at the Trots Vision set to five minutes later going and working at Andy Gaths. Yeah, no, that's probably her. <laughs> um, I've got three daughters, and two of them uh, are really keen. Tasman, uh, obviously, who's with Andy, and. My younger one, Tamara, she's uh, 17. She's trying to, she wants to get a licence. So, yeah, no, they're both really keen. And um, Andy's pushing her to get a licence, which is really good because uh, obviously he thinks she can drive a bit to be, you know, wanting to get a licence and uh, they settle good for her and everything. So, yeah, no, she's heading in the right direction. I think she's had four or five trial drives. She actually drove the locomotive at her first trial drive. So, um yeah, no, I think she'll uh, be okay. It's not a bad way to start your trial driving career, just quietly. But um, and the last one, just on that point, have you have you worked out why? And I could give at least a hundred examples of this. Why daughters of uh, trainers who are their fathers tend to get besotted with the game, and is it a good thing or a bad thing? Because over and over and over again, generation in generation out, the daughters of trainers and people who've been involved in the game. Get sucked into the game following their uh, following their old men around early doors and want to get involved in the game. Is it a good thing or not, Wayne? Well, if you ask a mother, it's not a good thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I never I never wanted her to do anything that she didn't want to do, and she was supposed to go to uni, and it was when uh, you know probably at a bad time with COVID and that she done year twelve and probably struggled a little bit. Um, so yeah, we just, I didn't push her in any direction and she ended up, uh, at Andy's and she likes it there and it's, you know, the path she's taken. So, um, yeah, whatever makes her happy for me. Good luck to her. And will alluring Tyrone be winning today is the final question for you, Wayne. Oh, well, yeah, I think she will, but, uh, yeah, I might be a bit biased, but I think she will. All right, that's good enough for me. Good on you, mate. Good luck today. Good luck on Saturday night, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jake. There's Wayne Potter. He's been a very, very, very good trainer for a long period of time. Um, no, not not really any good news in Kiss Me Elvis there, it has to be said. Um, not genuine, not a tryer. But uh, La Cucaracha's son, the locomotive, is the one to beat, I think, on Saturday night in that Group 1 trotting mixed gender race at Tabcorp Park Menangle and Alluring Tyron. 
I don't think you'll get any massively flash odds, but Potts thinks it'll win. It's time for a break. When we come back, more Thursday night Trot's Life right here on SEN Track. You're listening to Thursday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Hello and welcome back. By the way, I just want to let everyone know it's not Thursday night. Not even where I am. It's uh, You're just hallucinating. Thursday. Yeah, well, it's so bloody hot in here. It's cooled down. I've cooled down dramatically. Have you? I have. I really have cooled down a lot. I was just breathing heavily into this to check that it oh, was on. Have we got? Have we got cross wires? Who's who's that? Who's there? I, I tell you, very good dead people. So uh, Zoe is with us because Zozo. We were catching up regularly with her movements and yes. lifestyle decisions on the happy hour, which is returning. I've got no doubt about it. But Do we have a uh, date for when the happy hour returns? Well, we know it has to be relatively quick because either that or we continue it on a hiatus until you return from your next uh, your next sojourn abroad. You say it's happening again soon after you've just got back from Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where are you going? Uh, this time. When and where? When and where? Uh, the week after grand final. Yes. We're going to go to Morocco, to Egypt, Jordan, Israel, Dubai. Really? Yeah. I feel it felt a little bit like Dubai in here this morning. So you, have you have you been to the? Um, nope. What might be called the Middle East? No. Nope. Before? No. Nope. Are you prepared? Yep. Are you prepared? I tell you what, I would. You can't get up to anything in Dubai, can you? No. No hanky panky. I wouldn't. Don't even. I wouldn't even. <laughs> wow. It, it, Jason, no. have you just made a broad assumption about my character? I'm just saying. I'm not Great. saying heavy hanky. Great. I'm H- saying no panky. Oh HR is going to be. HR is going to be all over. I'm, us I'm saying. Don't, I'm saying. Don't even kiss a swarthy gentleman on the cheek while you're there. Just don't noted, do it. Noted. Noted. I would. Also, wear, I would also... nearly wear a muzzle. I would get Mitch Bay to come oh, in here, bring you oh. a muzzle. Wow. What's wrong? Uh, it's also a little bit more difficult to um, drink wise over there. You're not allowed to at all, yeah. Unless you're in a resort. Drink wise, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, okay, I think. Yeah. See, maybe because you're you live in Tourac now. I, I feel mm. like Dubai is one of those situations. Somebody, Turak. somebody like you from Brighton, maybe you could get your family Pigeon connections again, to organise you a little room, a private room where you can get up to all sorts of. Debauch Caligula-like activity, mm. and no one went. They'll mate, turn a blind eye for the my, rich. My, my parents, for the rich. my parents aren't like Shaquille O'Neal, mate. I got to make my own all way right, in this world. All right, all right. Hey, nice to be honest. John, nice I make a- my own way in this world, Donna. <laughs> nice to be <laughs> honest, you. Track. That, that, honestly, you saying you make your own way in the world is offensive to all of us kids who grew up in working yeah. class families. Hey, am, I right? am, I, am, I, am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I might be. I might still be forking out three and a half thousand dollars for a little puppy, but that doesn't make me rich. At all. We're talking dogs here as well. Yeah, we are. We talk everything. We talk everything. I suppose dogs is one of the core, like, uh, things on this station, really, isn't it? It brings people together. Not John's kind of dog. Golden Retriever. (laughs) I I feel like... Working class dog. What a beautiful moment, Zoe's saying. I think dogs are, like, one of the core, like, things on this station. A lot of people who... There's a lot of hatred towards people on this station who, uh, who grew up. And, again... No fault of their own. Hatred. No fault of anyone. No. Is he complaining that, about being from Brighton that again? That they grew up in certain parts of the country. I look. I, it's, I don't think it's not about hatred. It's it's about as the kids would say it's, now, just checking, checking, checking your, your privilege. Yeah, again, checking your privilege. It's also not my fault, and also, no. it's and not also, my fault that I, I, I think it turned out parents. relatively. I think it turned out very well. I don't shove it down anyone's throat at all. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely. It's entirely your goal. Yeah, so, uh, you're the ones who brought it up. Dogs. So, 
Why are you going? Why are you going to weigh again so quickly? You would think that. Did you did did you not? No, I just had a lot. Was of Vietnam not as expensive as it? Is this because you got your money back from Sri Lanka? No. Now you've got now, now like it's it seems very in a oh, very yeah, short period um, of time. Don't don't get me wrong. It's financially crippling me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm now going away every six weeks, and it, and now it's crippling me because I'm going away every six weeks. Yeah. Look, if I don't uh, find some sort of rich fella mm. on my. Uh, JD, JD's taken. <laughs> <laughs> you can have to find somebody else hey, in the, 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 the bright and rich that you think I am is yeah. nothing compared to the Middle Eastern rich. I would I would be very careful around the shakes if I were you when, when I'm there. Milk? Milk or vanilla? No, I, I just think... I, I can just... This feels like a, a bad um, a midday movie with... Um, Zoe going out in a veil, uh, hanging out with Sheikh Muhammad Al Maktoum, and um, and falling in love. But meanwhile, he's trafficking something. We're gonna have to get quite like, Zoe, Zoe might have to be as he tracks um, like Godolphin. What about she can be our international uh, correspondent? Yeah, international correspondent Therefore, for SEN Track. I think this whole trip just became a tax business deductible. Trip. It is a business Hachi, trip. If you're listening, Zoe will I'll be send you the invoice. invoicing you for this trip. <laughs> She's going to. All you have to do is go and get a photo of the the Godolphin stables, which is a big, uh, which is a big horse stable in the Middle East. See, yeah. And you'll and you'll send a photo. I, see, to um, I like it. I can see Zoe in Casablanca in and having giving kids cap guns and having them fire cap guns behind her. While she says, "It's getting really intense out here." Yeah. I, I'm not tense. safe any longer, but I'm not leaving because I need to bring the up to date information. The story to the on the ground team. here I will in, do anything in, in Dubai is up to date, chasing, pacing, and racing and international also, news broadcast and love and from love. the Middle East right into this studio here. You'll, you'll also do anything for a free trip. Oh yeah, definitely. and for love, but she won't All right, do that. See you, Zozo. Uh, and we've got to go as well for uh, a break before our second hour of Trot's Life today. And when we come back, Michael Guerin will be joining us. A really interesting update about no takeouts in future markets uh, in New Zealand. I read something about that. I'll, I'll check it out during the break. And we're going to chat with Michael about that and a number of other factors. And then Jamie Cockshot will be joining us to give us his tips on Tasmanian harness racing. And he's got a special guest as well. Do you know, not move a muscle. You know what Zoe's song on the ground in, uh, in the UAE will be? What? I came here for love. And then that, that sh- they'll immediately arrest her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, not here! Welcome to Thursday Trust Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Join the conversation on 0499 736 736. Hello, possums. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Trot's Life. You're on SEN track, and I'm just reading an article from uh, one of the great raconteurs of the game in the world, not just Australasia, but the world, Michael Guerin, about um, about this this wildness happening with the tab over in New Zealand. Michael, welcome to you. Um, talk us through it. People would have seen, at very least, I think, your tweet around the no deductions, uh, and we saw it's already paid off handsomely. Um, in the last at Sandown, I think yesterday, but um, talk us through exactly how it's going to work. And I, I can see from your article, you say it can work. Explain how that might be possible as well. 
Jason, how are you, brother? Good, um, good to talk to you again, and uh, good afternoon to everybody listening on SEN around Australia. So what's happened is the New Zealand TAB for spring, pretty much spring, which is starting in a couple of days, obviously, heading through to the middle of November, has said no final field deductions on any race. Greyhound harness gallops, New Zealand, Australia, England. Doesn't matter where you bet. If you put a bet on, you get the price you bet at. Now, obviously, that is different than the rules in most places because we'll use last year's Cox Plate as an example. Zaki was scratched on the morning of the race. He was evens, and therefore most markets took 40 or 45% out of your dividend. That was your deduction. If you backed a horse at $5, you were then getting $3. Under this rule and this promotion, you would get the full $5. Now, it sounds counterintuitive to people. People naturally think, well, they're going to get absolutely shafted on this. The reasons they won't so much is, first of all, there's not a lot of professional punters or arbors, people who trade out of one bookie into another, use Betfair, you know, lay something at $6, back it at a different price type thing. There's not those sort of people in New Zealand. Another thing a lot of people won't realise is Australians can no longer, unless they have the ability to hide their location, a VPN, uh, can't bet with the New Zealand TAB. It's, it's a disastrous move. About five years ago, the Australian government introduced a rule to stop people betting offshore, predominantly so they wouldn't be betting with Citibet and some of the overseas more dodgy joints. But the New Zealand TAB got caught up in it. And no one's into protest because TAB obviously don't want to help them, <laughs> either as anybody else. So people in Australia are thinking, well, I can get a bowler, but as anybody who's ever had a bowler would know, it's not as easy to get a bowler as you think. Just ringing someone and saying, can you pop down the tab and have a thousand on something for me doesn't go down that well. <laughs> so the realities of the situation versus the mathematics, the mathematics say they can't win. But of course, most markets these days are set to 125, 130% in the early gallops pool, if they're getting shafted on a $2 chance at 40%, they're still going to survive. And there's what's called the punter's promise in New Zealand, JB, which means um, you're allowed to back any horse or dog to win two grand, which is a great initiative. But even if you got really shafted, if you got really taken to the cleaners in a greyhound race at Whanganui because half the field was scratched and five people got their 2K out of it, you're losing $10,000, which in the scheme of a day is nothing. So there's other people have said to me, well, I could scratch my horse and we back your horse. Well, that's been trying to go on for years. And it's vastly no different than the harness racing to person A saying, I'm going back at the start, my horse isn't fit enough. And you're thinking, well, person B will back person B's horse, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. It comes with more assurity if the horse is scratched, but even then, you still got to back the winner. Let's go back to last year's Cox Plate. Best example, everybody knows the horses. Had you known the night before, as there were rumours, that Zaki was going to be scratched out of the Cox Plate, and had you had that full knowledge, an intelligent better would have backed every horse in the race and would have given themselves a chance. They could not lose. They would have to win. But even then, they might only win, say, 20% on their money. Most people, Jason, aren't going to have $20,000 to spend. Most people don't have $20,000 with the liquidity with the bookmakers to the point where they can do that to win their 4K guaranteed. So say, again, you're a normal person listening to this conversation. You know Zaki's going to be scratched. He's coming out of the cocked plate. Would you really have that state of rest? Really? Would you really have? People will say, yes, they would have, but most people don't tend to be professional punters. 
So you probably would have backed Animo. You might have backed Very Elegant. Would you really have backed Staterist? Is it that easy to back a winner? So there will be examples where Emma Stewart has a horse paying a dollar thirty, and it gets scratched at the race at Ballarat, and the $6 chance drawn barrier three runs to the front and bolts in, and people get their $6. But let's not forget, the Australians aren't betting into these markets because they can't bet with the New Zealand BRB unless they have a very good bowler. And most of the Kiwis aren't betting on these races very often. So it will work. It'll increase their market share, and that's all they care about. They can afford to have a lost leader to increase market share because they are getting shafted by the corporate bookmakers. But right now, as of today, any New Zealander who gets a job with a corporate bookmaker is an idiot. Yeah, I, I, for, you, yeah. for any reason, there's no reason to do it at all because I'm watching a race at Winton. It's about to jump. There's a dollar twenty favourite. If it fell on the track and got scratched right now, I would still get the twenty one dollars for number one. So the and this is not shafting the corporate bookmakers, this is by no means an assassination on them. Any New Zealand punter who backs fixed odds of anybody else is an imbecile. Do you I am assuming this is right, but if if your horse is scratched, you, you still get your, your refund, yes? Yep, one hundred percent. There's there's no downside to it, there's no tricks, there's no hooks. People were saying to me, because I put it out on Twitter, and of course all the punters were jumping up and down. They'll put up short market. They'll put up ridiculously um, huge percentage markets and all the rest of it. The the irony is, I know know the bookies pretty well. I said, well, so what are you setting your markets at? They said, no, we're not setting markets any different. They're going 125 to 130%, sometimes in an 18-horse race at record, and they'll open at 135%. But they're not changing their algos for this because there's no point. Also, the vast majority of markets opened by the New Zealand PRB are mirror markets. They don't set their own markets for Caulfield this week. They might tweak Dragon Leap $2 inside what the Aussies have because he's going to cop a bit of action from New Zealand. But they're not going to change any of the prices for Caulfield this week. That is not because they're also setting markets for Tamworth today and they're setting markets for the Sheep Greyhounds, which are about to go in three minutes. They, They simply don't have the ability to tweak all their markets or rent them up to other percentages because it's just not worth their while. It would just, that, they would never win over any period of time because people would go, I'm not betting with you anyway. So that is going to leave your markets there because most punters lose. And the bottom line out of this, the absolute bottom line, and I've done an enormous amount of research on this this week, is even if you win, and punters listening to this have to be honest, even if you pull off the miracle, and you back a horse who goes around a dollar thirty, and you back it at six dollars. Are you really going to take the money out of your phone account? I will. Every time I want to take the money out of my phone account and I use my credit card to reload, for two reasons: I get some of the points advantages out of that. But secondly, there's no point leaving money in my account. It's better off in my bank account or against my credit card than yeah. sitting in my TAB account. So I pro- but most people leave the money in, and most people have a bit in the next race. Of course. So, <laughs> like bonus. <laughs> Over a period of time, most people will give any money they win back. That's just a fact. Now, the professional punters listening to this will say, well, that's rubbish. And professional punters are a totally different breed. So this is a great rule for someone like me. And it's a great rule for people who are disciplined and will pay attention. But that's about 2% of the punting for two. Yeah, I think the... um... I think the I think it might have been Mitch Shybot and the might have raised. I think there's probably that little um, integrity issue around a couple of things. But to be honest, I think I think it's a one. Yeah, he, I saw that and look, he's completely wrong. I mean, Mitch is only young; he'll, he'll get old, he'll learn a bit. It's rubbish. There's no integrity issues with this at all. 
okay. anybody who thinks there is a All right. system. All so, right. So, 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 it, it, it's just wrong because cause what, anybody who believes that Emma and Clayton are going to scratch five horses so another horse can win, so they can have a mythical bet with the New Zealand TAB to win $2,000, is kidding themselves. Because that's five sets of owners who say that's the end of you. Goodbye. No, that I, mean, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's really internal stuff. I think it's probably more. We've worked so very hard to try and take away, quote unquote, inside information. Now, some people are going to be well aware of horses being scratched well before others. But, now, but, that, that's, in, that's it, yeah, that's not an integrity inside, issue from a stable or anything. No, it's it, Jason. It's complete rubbish. Anybody who thinks that's an idiot. Anybody who thinks that is an idiot. Because inside information would be part of racing since the beginning of time. Yeah, and inside yeah, information about horses being scratched or horses horses working well or horses having dull coats, most most of them don't win. There's a very simple reason most people don't win on the punt because most of the information is useless to you. And that inf- information and integrity issues are two totally different things. If the horses who run in any given race run up to their ability and are not pulled, there's no integrity issue. If someone wants to bodgy the market and bid five horses in a scratch, the only person who gets possibly panelled out of that, because the people who back those horses get their money back, the only people who get any integrity issue out of that is the bookie. And no one cares about bookies. No one cares about them. There's no integrity issue because as long as the horses are, are actually trying, there's more integrity issues if the other way you do it, and you do line up six horses and you want one to win. Ironically, if you scratch the other five, everybody gets their money back. So a lot of the comment around the stuff has been really infantile because they don't understand what they're talking about. But you know, this had to go through a lot of very smart lawyers to make this, make sure this worked. And it had to be passed by the New Zealand Racing Board. So I think a lot of people aren't quite grasping this because it's so new to them. But if they want to try and set up a rort to do this, do it. Do it today. Don't muck around. Do it tomorrow. Try going to Caulfield and telling my trainer, who trains me my horse, that I'm going to get him to scratch my horse so we can bodge you some market share and get a dividend. Good luck trying to do that. It's just nonsense. The people who don't understand that live in a mythical world. And I know one thing, Jason, because I do, they don't make money on it. No, it's a. Um, I, th- I think it's. I think it's a broad-ranging thing. Uh, but the truth is, it's going to be short in nature. The interesting. I think the most interesting thing for me will be to see. I, I, what, I don't what, think it will be. I, I, I think it'll stay. If it, if I don't it, think it'll be short. Well, if it does, if it doesn't, yeah. If it doesn't, I think the critical key is how many because punters are so promiscuous these days. Will people just stay for the period of the spring if if it is a spring promotion, and then the moment it's over, they go back to their corporate bookmaking overlords, or do they not? If it does stay on. Clearly, they're going to have enough empirical evidence over a, over a three-month period or whatever it might be or a two- or three-month period to know whether it's going to cause them uh, any issues. You seem unbelievably confident that it is not that, that it is going to be a workable situation as a lost leader to create market share. And if they work that out over a few months, then they can keep it going. If they don't keep it going, the interesting fact will be whether or, – or just looking at whether they immediately lose, say, 95% of that – market share back to the corporate bookmakers or whether people say, actually, I'm, you know, I've got some respect for what this organisation has done for me and I'm going to stick with them. Or some people are just too lazy to move back because once they stick with something for three months, they'll, yeah, uh, they'll stick with it full time. Here's the thing about it is like, I, I, I have no love for the New Zealand TRB at all. They'll fired me twice. I, I have no interest in whether they have any good or bad. I did, but money's money and punting's punting. Like, 
I have close associations with Adam Hamilton, who works for Hentain. I have close associations with people who work for Sportsbet. I don't care who you bet with. I'm not telling anybody here to bet. But just mathematically, anybody who lives in this country, the country I'm standing in right now, who backs fixed odds of someone else, is out of their mind. Because the dollar twenty chance can always throw itself on the track. And now, under this rule, they get an option to still be on at $6. But there's no integrity issues here. And anybody who thinks there's an integrity issue here... Um, doesn't understand what the word integrity means. Good to chat with you, Michael. We'll chat it again next week. Look forward to it, brother. There's Michael Guerin. We're going to take a break. Um, we'll talk to Jamie Cockshot in a moment. Hold my tongue a little bit there. I reckon we'll talk to Jamie about it a, a, a little bit as well, along with the Tasmanian tips, and he's got a special guest too. We've still got another 50 minutes left of Trot's Life coming up, so don't miss a thing. To Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Hello and welcome back to uh, to Trots Life here on SEN Track, and we've got Jamie Cockshut on the line. He's going to give us his tips first, and we've got a, a special guest coming up, Lee Rand, after about twelve forty. Um. I don't know whether you got a chance to listen in uh, a moment ago to to Michael Garrett and what he was saying about the no deductions in New Zealand, Jamie. I follow a little bit on social media, Jace people saying this and saying that. But um, one thing, Mick has got a good point. Like um, we can't bet into New Zealand now unless we use a, a VPN. Like I used to do a lot of betting into New Zealand, so I used to get really good rebates. <laughs> But I don't, you know, the Australian government stopped that about five years ago when the New Zealand, New Zealand tab um cut all accounts from Australian residents. So, and the small population of New Zealand, I can see where um, Mick's coming from that's got us positives, but it is only for a month, isn't it, I think, Jason? Well, he thinks, he's suggesting it's going to be going um, in perpetuity, ongoing now. Oh, Jesus, well, there'll be some Australian people getting some VPN accounts set up, mate, and trying to find a mate in New Zealand that can open up an account for them. But there's obviously going to be limits you can bet. You know, it's not going to be where you can try and get, you know, two and three grand on a horse. There's going to be um, other things. Because I can remember, I think when I was betting there, New Zealand had been let you on any time to win 2000 Yeah, you know, yep. no matter who you was. If you wasn't winning pump, they'll still let you on to win two thousand. So back something at two forty, they'll let you on for eight hundred and whatever. Then they can wind it into two dollars, they'll let you on again to win another two thousand. So, you know, it's it's a good inno- innovative and it'll be interesting to see how it goes long term, but they are leaving, you know, a, the door open for some people to take serious advantage of it, that's for sure. And you know, there is the loophole there. Um, if there are battling owners and battling punters there that can, you know, try and pull a, a few shifty ones, but those days are probably over because there's too much scrutiny on people doing the wrong thing now with stewards. There's too much questions being asked, not like there was back in the 80s where you can nearly get away with anything, mate, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, 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 <laughs> I think this is open to, um, to, to, you know, a few things going down, but it will never be like the 80s again. Um, I might discuss that a little bit further right at the end of the show because it's sort of got... It's got me a little bit hot under the collar, a couple of things mentioned, but I'm um, certainly not going to... I've got great respect for Michael and not about to get into a blue with him on air, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. For now, let's get to some tips at Lonnie. What are your best bets there? 
Uh, we'll start off in race one. Uh, it's only a field of six, and most of them raced against each other last week, to be honest. But I'm, I'm going to go for ideal pace. He made a run of probably 500 metres out, you know, three and four wide. Hit the lead, just got run down late. But with that run under his belt, he's going to strip fitter, and um, I just think he'll get the job done in the first at around the 2.40, mark. Move over to race four, number six, Alta Casino. Um, Christy Butler and Mark's done a great job with this horse since Joe Pace sent it across. That's one three out of four. It's going for four out of five. I can just see him pushing forward. If he finds a breeze, I think he can still win from there. If he finds a top, he's nearly a good thing, to be honest on his recent form, so he's worth a good play at those in that race. And then we'll head across to race 10, number five, but um, Philly has got a fair bit of time for called Miss Pappenhausen. Um, she was our standout two-year-old Philly last season. She's been away from the track for a while, but that's only because, you know, the season got pushed back and all our features are at the end of the season. And I'm sure Connections didn't want their ratings to be too high. So she resumes and um, drawn five, you know, I reckon Rowan's going to have to push forward and just trying to slot in, if not, get to the breeze and, or even force the issue and fall on the top. But I think she can get the job done because she's only racing against a field of you know, horses that you know, just go OK, mate. So they're the main three. And there's a few value I think is worth a play as well. Race two, number one, Gypsy or more. Um, there's two scratchings now, so the price is probably going to be a bit shorter. She was 450 on market, but now she's probably into 350. But I think she can lead, um, dictate and, and get the job done. Move over to race five, number 11, Get Home Roy. Um, he resumed with a very good win coming from back in the field, ran them up and raced past them. He's going to have to do similar again, but I think trainer Lee Rand's found the key to him um, by putting young Charlie Castles on, driving quiet and just coming with one run, and you know he can do that and win on Sunday night. And over to race six, number 11, Buster William. This is his race. He drops in grade, gets in well the claim for young Caleb Williams who's driving well. He'll put him in the race from the bill and I just think he can prove too strong for his rivals at around the you know, $4 mark. Um, the best at odds, it's a tough meeting to find one at odds, but race ain't number eight, Captain Cosmonaut. It's a stand start race. He usually steps okay and if a couple of fancy runs miss away, mate, don't be surprised to see him win a race at around the $20 mark. Then we'll go a quaddy. We'll go wide in the first thing. We'll go 3, 5, 9, 11, 12 and 13. Second leg, 8, 11 and 12. Third leg will go to numbers 1, 6 and 8. And last leg will go to numbers 1, 4, 8 and 14. And $54 gives us 25% of the dividend, mate. Beautiful. And, of course, one of those runners, Get Home Roy, uh, trained by Lee Random. We're going to chat with him in about 10 minutes. But before we do, we're just um, riffing on the message about... Uh, normally, I write on a Tuesday and Saturday for the Herald Sun um, two different articles, but so besotted am I with... Uh, Former Taswegian Jack Law at the moment that um, I dedicated the entire column to him after, you know, it wasn't just what he did on Saturday night with Captain Belisario and Torrid Sane. There's just something, there's something pretty special about the kid. He's got, he's got a racing IQ of 160. He's a Mensa candidate racing IQ, and he just makes, he makes critical decisions and pulls things off. He, he reminds me of, uh, is there's there's some Nathan Jack about him, like he's. He's a special talent, isn't he? Oh, he is, mate. I remember when he first burst on the scene in Tasmania as a young 15, 16-year-old. I think it only took me probably three months to identify that if this boy, you know, dedicates his time and puts everything in the industry, he'll he'll go to the top and he'll go to the top very quickly. You know, I think he's 23, 24, Jace. He's from a good family. His father, Mick, and his mum, and his mum, Tony, you know, 
you know, they're a good sport and family, or Tony is, and Jack's sister, representing the state in netball and that sort of things. And one thing about him, he's a Taswegian, and then most of us, most of us are pretty humble. And and Jack's that sort of fellow, mate. He's humble. He's down to earth. He hasn't got a big head. He he just takes it in his stride. You know, he's well spoken. And honestly, mate, he's a great um, he's a great ambassador ambassador for the sport at, at such a young age. And he's talent. He just oozes class. And you got to remember, he, he's not aligned to any big stable either. You know, he's a freelance tradesman. He does a lot for the Douglas stable, as we know, but. Other than that, he's just like a freelance driver, and for him to to get to where he's got to in that time, it's just a testament to the young man's ability. Well, a couple of the uh, you know a couple of really good horses he's driven of late. I'm I'm a massive fan of this captain Belisario. Jane Davies was a um, was a uh, you know the biggest in, in the game once upon a time, but um, she's only got a couple of horses these days, and also Mr. Hunter for for Vince Takoko, where we saw the big. Salute from Jackie. No, he's, he's a wonderful talent and he's a credit to Tasmania. We'll go to the news now, find out what's happening in the world, come back, and, uh, and Jamie will have a good chat with a great journeyman and a very good trainer, a very good horseman named Lee Rand. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Let my heart to the Zappos Bound case And I saw my soul with my suit. You could actually replace the black market man. Case and with Lee Rand. Who's our, who's our next guest here? I'd like to say I meant to do that. <laughs> well, but, uh, you know. I can tell by the way your eyebrows went that you didn't mean to do it. Uh, always at this time of the show on a Thursday, Trot's Life on SCN Track, uh, Jamie interviews um, a special guest from Tasmania. I welcome you, you in. How are you, Lee? No, he's literally just dropped off the line as we uh, welcomed him in. So that always ends well, doesn't We'll give it, it another crack. Yeah, let's give him another crack. And see if we can't. Uh, I won't. I won't mention who, but uh, somebody just heard the chat about Jack Lauren was. Uh, we're agreeing with us, I think, Jamie. There on the message. So um, yes, oh, that's good, mate. Lee speaking. We've got Lee, Lee back now. Maybe when he heard Lee ran instead of Case Annie, but he, he said, "No, nah, that's it. I'm jumping off the line." Um, we're about to welcome him in, and then I'll hand him over to you, Jamie. But first of all, are you with us now, Lee? Yes. Great to have you there, mate. Now, I'll hand you over to Jamie Cockshot. He's going to be really interested about one horse in particular, I think, uh, at Lonnie, but I'll let you two get into conversation. Jamie, take it away, mate. How you going there, Lonnie? Good, thanks. Yeah, we had a bit of a catch-up yesterday, mate, because, honestly, I won't say... I didn't know much about you when you got back into the trots. It'd be, what, four or five years ago? Or probably three or four years ago you got back into it, mate, after a, a pretty lengthy absence? Yeah, it's probably uh, three years, two to three years, yeah. I think it's two seasons we've been yeah. back in now. Yeah, no, that's all right, you know. And um, So we'll just touch on, you know, like um, we touched on yesterday about your early time in the game and, and all that as, as a young fellow and you, you've been a bit of a journeyman. So so just, you know, let, let the listeners out there just give them a bit of a background on on your um, your road to to the industry and you know, and a bit about yourself and you know and why you're back into the game now at um, the tender age of, of your mid sixties. Um, yeah, I started um, going out the beach with my father many years ago. When you could work horses on Pardo, go on to Pardo Beach. You can't get on there now, but you can get on to Moorlands. Um, 
and um, just family circumstances. And uh, I've had, I've got seven children, so bringing them up and uh, went out of the industry for a while because of the financial uh, situation, and then um, decided to uh, bite the bullet and come back in because still had a lot of our. I've probably got a 50-year-old bits of dads hanging on the wall, and uh, I've always had a love for it, and I followed it, so I decided to uh, to get back into it. My son Dane yeah, probably yeah. is the biggest influence. He was always uh, reasonably keen to have a go at it. Mm. And you did mention uh, yesterday that your dad um, he had a horse back in his early days. I think uh, it was called Stuart John that um, he won a couple of races, but with the prize money and from those races and a bit of money on the punny, it was able to set him up for life by a couple of properties with the um, the prize money and the winnings. Yeah, he won a heat and final at Smithton in the pounds, shillings and pence days. And I think it's got <laughs> in the paper, it had the the bookmakers, uh, what was all the bets that were on, and I think there was 2,800 pounds came out of the ring, uh, which was a considerable amount of money back then. And he did say to me when I was older, because I was only a... A little boy then, he just said that he had enough money to buy a house and two blocks of land. So, um, yeah. and then he won another, I noticed another clipping where he won a double at uh, Burnie. But, uh, so it's a long time since Smith and uh, Trots have, uh, have been on. No, that's for sure. And, you know, like um, as a teenager, you, you just packed up and moved to the mainland with your father. And um, like you mentioned, he, he was a bit of a hotelier. He had a couple of caravan parks, a, a couple of pubs managed and all that sort of stuff. And... That that actually led to you representing New South Wales in the Under Seventeen Tool Cup um, AFL football style back in the day. Yeah, we went to live in Albury Wodonga in about 1968. Dad had bought a new Kingswood and uh, a, a, an 18 foot caravan, so he put four kids in the back of the the Kingswood with no seat belts, and we went on a bit of a holiday, and we never came back. <laughs> so um, all of a sudden, I yeah, fronted up to North Albury High and. Uh, Ended up playing footy for Lavington and was very lucky to get uh, picked in the Teal Cup side, which is uh, similar to the Devils of today. Yeah, so so at the end of the day, after that, you know, you, you I think you was in your, your mid twenties. You, you you packed up and come back to Tasmania, is that right? Yes, came back to Tassie, and um, the building industry is pretty flat. I picked up a job as the manager at uh, City Limits Nightclub and befriended a. A friend of mine who has always been involved in the horses with me, Murray Bryan, has just passed away. And um, he always sort of was at me to get back into it as well. And um, and then he uh, he started a few bakeries and I often worked with him when he was short of staff. And you sort of try and turn your hand to anything. Uh, and then the building wow. industry picked up here and I went back on the tool. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll just touch on Murray for a moment. As you said, Murray raced a few of your horses with you, and um, I think he's in the ownership of Pardo Plugger. Is that right? Pardo Plugger, yep, yeah. He came yeah. along and said, "If you want any money, um, he helped us buy our first horse float and first cart to get back into it, and, uh, and then bought a share of Plugger." Yeah, and and when he won, and the, had a um, pretty good ride. Yeah, and he, when he won the Raider Stakes. He, or was it, it would have been last season. Yeah, last season. That would have been a, a massive night for all involved and and just a, a great reward for, you know, your decision to get back into the game. Yeah, we um it was a pretty um pretty hard horse to train initially and uh but we got him settled and um 
he showed a lot of potential on the track. He was running some pretty quick sectionals, and um, we took him up and he trialled 159 over a mile in his first trial to qualify, and then he uh, had a bad draw at Hobart and um, false start, and he pulled his way out of that race, and then I put him in the heat of the Raider Stakes and he led and won that, and then we fronted up for the final with a pretty poor draw, and he was last on the home turn and swooped round and beat them. So it was um, it was a fantastic night. And that was with um, Benny Parker in the gig too, wasn't he? He drove him in the Raider Stakes night. Yeah, Benny uh, yeah, Benny Parker. Dane had played football with Benny at Wesley Vale and won a premiership out there, and he just we sort of didn't know many of the drivers and things, so we put Benny on, and um, he was good enough to get him up for us. Yeah, no, no, I remember the night. I remember the night well. Uh, we'll just touch on Dane. As you mentioned, he's, he's pretty passionate, and I've had a bit of correspondence with him. And I'll touch on Dane and your other children. You said you've got seven, and you've been married twice, but they're obviously um, you know, very close to your heart and, and, and been you know, a big push for you to keep going at, at your age and trying to be successful because you're that passionate about the industry. And um, So just mention a couple of your kids for us and just give us a bit of a background, a bit of a background. Um, well, my younger son, Jack, who was, um, he represented Tassie in under 14 soccer and was in the main team, the main senior team around Tassie, uh, when he was 15. And, um, in the, in the soccer, you sit on the bench a fair bit when you're a 15 year old. So he decided to have a crack at footy and he played in a premiership with Denbourne under 18s when he was 16. And, and then the Devils picked him up and he had a, a couple of years in the program uh, COVID buggered the last year and he's currently playing under Mav Weller at the Penguin in the senior. Uh, they're in a final on Sunday, so I'll be going over to that and then rushing back and taking off to Mowbray to race the horses. Um, my other daughters are all um, married. I've got uh, 16 grandchildren. Uh, so hopefully I've got a couple of red-headed grandsons I'm hoping will come into the industry as well. Mm. Jack's a bit tied up with footy at the moment, but once he's finished, I'd like him to come into it as well. Uh, yeah. That'd be great, mate. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's good getting a bit of a background about yourself for the listeners out there, because as you know, I didn't know much about the background. That's why I wanted to get you on, mate, so we could all find out. But we'll touch on the horses that you've got on in this week, mate. You've got you've taken three to the track at Launceston on Sunday night. We'll start off with Ozzy Rock. Um, he was your first. She was your first winner when you got back into the game. I can remember leading all the way at Mowbray. I think Toddy Rattray was in the gig, and she won at twenty six dollars. Yes, it was. Uh, that was another good night. We took Pardo up uh, to qualify, and he, he won his trial. And um, one of the stable, uh, one of the owners, Andrew Harding, said to me, Did, "Does uh, Aussie train with Plugger?" And I said, "Yes, yeah, she's she's not as quick as him, but she's not too far behind." So he went and put some money on her, and she saluted. Unfortunately, um, we got a. Uh, uh, I'd put a heap of new posts in, and they chewed the uh, the posts and got a uh, high high uh, arsenic level, so we lost that race. But um, it took us a couple of months to get back on our feet and get going again. And um, I think she won five in a row there at one stage for us. Um, yeah. Was uh, identifying her weaknesses. When I did the advanced Sableland ticket in 2013, uh, the lady that ran the course, she sent me a audio of Alan Davies and he said don't train a horse to its strengths, train it to its weaknesses and 
Aussie's the most clean-winded horse I've ever had and, and got the lowest resting heart rate. And uh, so all I've done with her is give her a sprint program and she's thrived on it. So on Sunday night, she's in race six. She's drawn barrier three. She got, you know, the scratch and Murray's in emergency scratch and so she can get across equity stride early. You know, she loves to lead. This is a, a rising class, but if she loves on top, she's definitely going to give him something to chase. She gives 100% every time. She's the most honest, uh, wonderful-natured little mare. Yeah, she'll really... Um, she should give a bold showing. Yeah. Well, She's trained on, eight, so... Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, we'll move over to race eight now, mate. you got Pardo, Plugger in a stand. Um, I'm, I reckon this is... You put him in this race just to try and teach him to settle a bit, especially drawing off the 30-metre line, because... He can get a bit keen in his races, but I'm sure if um, Charlie Carson get him to settle, he's not about some small chance, even though it's only over 2,200 metres off 30 metre back mark. Yes, that's the reason we've sort of, now that the, he's getting down, he's a 70-class horse, uh, we're looking to sort of try and get him to settle a bit, and um, he's got this wonderful uh, two-furlong sprint he can unload on, and so we're... Um, not really worried. It's just a, 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 you know, something for him to get a bit of experience and, and try and finish off his races. Like he did in the um, of stakes. If we can replicate that, we'll leave the chance. Yeah, for sure, mate. Then we'll touch on the, the one that I really like. Get home, Roy. Um, we've talked about him a fair bit. Like He did set the the um, the rumours buzzing when he trialled back in the, his early days. He ran some cracking times at the trials, but he just didn't put together a race day because of some you know, minor issues. But he resumed the other week. Charlie settled him back last and he pulled him to the outside and he rounded him up. We win the space of 200 metres and raced away for an easy win. He's going to have to do similar again this week from the draw, but you know it just looks like young Charlie's got the, you know, just got the knack with the horse now and um, all he's got to do is I reckon he can round him up again. Yeah, he's good enough to uh, trial him for us when we brought him back for after eight months from a spell and um, Charlie's a really. Uh, Sensible driver and looks after the horse. So, um, yeah, that's our, our thoughts there. Uh, he's trained on from his last win. Um, they ran their last couple of furlongs in 27 and a half up there at his last win, and that was what the free-for-allers went. And he did it and recovered really well. So I can't see any reason we can't do that again. Uh, so, so out the three, mate, which one are we going to put our few dollars on for the punters out there? Aussie Rock has probably got to be the best this year. I bet she's in very good form. I think her last four starts has been a, a second, a first, a third, and a first. So, um, and she's um, licked the bin. So I can't see why she wouldn't. She would be. She's probably not going to be the odds. Um, Plugger's probably an each way bet because he'll be longer odds, and uh, I think Roy will be fairly short as well. I'll but be... they're all in good federal, and um, I'm going there with the you know and you know, the confidence that they'll go well. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, wow. t- hopefully, two of them go well there, Jamie. One for you and uh, and one for Lee. It's been a great chat. Thanks for joining us, Lee. Thanks for having me. And good on you, Jamie. Great Thanks, to chat mate. with you, mate. And we'll uh, we'll catch up again next week. All right, Jay Bond. There is Jamie Cox, Jad and Lee Ram. We're going for a break. Come back to short little standards to come on this Thursday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track.
You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Okay, welcome back. This is only going to take uh, a few minutes of time. Uh, right, I just want to get back to the uh, the Michael Guerin stuff from before and preface it as always with the fact that I've got enormous, enormous respect and reverence for Michael and his opinion. But I've said this on air before and I'm going to say it again because I feel it needs to be said. When you have an opinion and you call other people idiotic and infantile and imbecilic for having a different opinion, that's no good. You can't you can't be doing that. And particularly in this case, he's calling he's referring to somebody like Mitch Sidebottom who's who makes a living out of the game and is one of the best judges in Australasia. Uh, he's putting him him in that uh, box and, and also me. And I'll tell you what, what if there's one person in this whole entire planet that's not an imbecile or or a moron, it's me. So here's a couple of things on top of that. Inside information has always been a part of racing. It was part of the race, reason that racing was dying. That's why now you get information about every trial. You get stewards' follow-up reports. Because if you want everyone to have a bed, then everyone's got to be on feel, feel at least, that they're on a level playing field. If people don't feel they're on a level playing field, then they won't bet. Or they'll find something else to bet on where they think they are on a level playing field. Whether that's true or not is one thing. They have to feel as though they're on a level playing field, right? Then you get the inside information we're talking about here. This isn't a trainer or a stable hand when you're having a beer at the Newmarket Tavern telling you that such and such as horses going is flying at home and they reckon it can win. This is somebody being able to actually tell you this horse is going to be scratched, has been nommed and will be scratched for this event. And what about if you get more information? What about if it's a hot favourite? What about even even last week with Supreme Dominator coming out and you knew before everybody else and then you see prices plummet and, you, uh, and you're sitting back wondering why? That's what turns people off having a bet on something. If they look at it, I'm not saying New Zealand, they can do whatever they, they like. I think it's, it's a great idea. Anything that helps punters is a great idea. So I'm all for it. But the idea that it doesn't have the potential to be rorted or that it's not uh, an integrity concern, is just, in my opinion, in my opinion, insane. Because this is inside information that's not about an opinion. It's about something that's going to happen and certain inside people can then benefit from the knowledge that that's going to happen while everybody else gets left out in the cold. And when people get left out in the cold, they get angry, they get pissed off and they don't want to bet on that product, whatever it might be. So... uh, Again, amazing respect for Michael, but I don't. I, I just don't like. I don't like the idea that if you condescend to and patronise people and try and put them in a corner, then their opinion doesn't matter, and you're the smartest person in the room. Because one thing I've definitely learned in life is no matter how smart you think you are, somebody else is always smarter. All right, we'll go for a break. Come back. We've got a couple of minutes to wind this puppy up. It's Thursday. Trots life on SEN track. You're listening to Thursday Trots Life with Jason Bonington and Toby McKinnon. Ooh. Welcome back. Only a minute to go here. I think Samuel Josiah Highland is joining us very soon. His best is coming up in Bendigo Race 2. Alabia is pretty preble in the saddle. Right. Uh, nice wrap-up, Bond. Thank you, Stu. You've got the South Island low-key trotting meetings. Hard to make a buck, so they'll now do it via the punt. Uh, that's from Ant, I reckon, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a 
There's a fair fair bit going on, I'd, I'd say. And the other thing worth noting is that if if it's done in a joint venture way, the way it's done over here in Australia, and I believe it is, fixed odds aren't so, – so the finances or the profits made out of fixed odds are paid back to clubs based on yield, but, but to the racing industry based on yield. That's how much money you make. Now, if you negatively yield because you're getting destroyed by the punters, even if it's only in two or three races a day, you have got a problem. So it's, it's an opinion game. I don't think anybody's wrong. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. That is the critical message to wind up today's edition of Trot's Life. I'll be back with the Friday form panel tomorrow with Daniel Malecki. Enjoy the rest of Trackside. The next four hours, Sammy Holland's ready to roll. Hopefully his best can get up here. Alabur.